Like presents under the Christmas tree, you never know what you'll get when you open viewer mail. And this week was no different. Christmas, Greeks, secession, and a solar eclipse in 29 AD are among today's topics. I had already started writing today's episode when I was interrupted by several voicemails and emails from Marcionite presbyters. Presbyters are a kind of, uh, well, they're like priests. They lead a small congregation of believers in mass and discussion, but they do it in a meeting house, not a church. They use a liturgical guide provided by the church to conduct mass, baptisms, or any of the usual rites and sacraments you commonly find at a Christian church. And of course, the liturgical guide and mass and things the presbyters learn is based on the foundation, the sola scriptura of the church, the very first Bible, the pre-Nicene Bible of 144 AD. In any event, the voicemails and emails were suddenly all about Christmas. It's right around the corner and their parishioners are asking a lot of questions. And presbyters aren't the only ones that have taken an interest in what the Marcionite Church does about Christmas. Let's set the tone with a viewer voice message from just a couple days ago. Hi, Darren. I've got a question that's on the lighter side from the COVID topic and with the holiday season coming up. I was wondering um, what holidays uh, as Marcionites we should be observing and and maybe if you have some traditions you could uh, share with us, uh, I'd be interested in, in hearing about that. Got my little family here and my, my young ones, and we've always done the traditional Christmas as former Catholic. Yeah, I'm just curious what you do and uh, how you choose to celebrate. Thanks. Now, at first glance, it seems like a simple question, and most of them are until FBN gets a hold of them and starts looking under the hood, and this one was no exception. Now, for starters, Marcionites use the pre-Nicene Bible, and that Bible only has one gospel, the gospel, the gospel of the Lord, delivered to Paul by Jesus on the road to Damascus. And that gospel doesn't have any stories about prophetic Persian kings and horse stalls and pregnant Jewish women. So we don't have a birth story per se, but we do have an arrival story, a descent story. And Marcionites celebrate the day that Jesus arrived on earth and took on human form when he became human. In fact, he did it twice. Once when he first descended to earth, and again when he visited the apostles after his resurrection and ascension. That visit is also found in the modern Bible. Now, did he need to be birthed by another Jewish woman, or any woman for that matter, when he returned in human form to visit with the apostles after his resurrection? Of course not. He simply descended again, just like he did the first time. So the short answer is yes, Marcionites celebrate Christmas. 
Now let's look under the hood. And before I get into this, as regular listeners know, when we tackle tricky subjects, I lean heavily on Bishop Andrew Theophilus at the church. And I wanted to do that this time as well, but he's traveling to El Salvador of all places. I'll have a link in the show notes explaining what that trip is all about if you're interested. So he's gone, but when one door closes, another opens. And the chancellor of the central panchet of the church, A.W. Mitchell, agreed to help me with this Christmas issue. And as he explained to me, it is in the first sentence of the Gospel of the Lord that we find what direction to go to for our answer. We learn that Jesus descended, first arrived on earth in the 15th year of the reign of Tiberius Caesar. And he arrived in a town called Capernaum on the edge of the Sea of Galilee. Now, you're going to see why all three of those facts are so important. Now, for us, the 15th year of Tiberius's reign translates into the year 29 AD. Now, that's pretty good. At least it gives us a start. Now we know the year when he arrived, and we know where he arrived. And if we were like the Catholics and other Christians, we would just slap a random day and month on it and call it Christmas. But we can do better than that, a lot better. In fact, the Marcionites can not only tell you the exact day that Jesus arrived, they can tell you the exact hour and minute that he arrived and the exact place that he arrived. Now, do they know this from secret, magical, hidden knowledge, some Dan Brown novel, treasure chest, some Indiana Jones secret scroll? No. The Mercianites aren't Gnostics. Uh, what they believe is right in the first Christian Bible, and anybody can read it for themselves. Now, if I were an evangelical preacher on TV, we would drag this out for a few days or weeks and pump you for donations, maybe sell some books and videos, maybe some trinkets. Really milk this out before telling you what the answer is and how we found it. But we're FBN. It's not how we operate. Besides, the credit goes to Chancellor Mitchell for telling me in the first place. So let's recap quickly. We have our year of 29 AD and our place of Capernaum, just as the Gospel of the Lord says in that first sentence. Now the fun part. In the years that Jesus was on earth, there was only one total solar eclipse in that region. Just one. Now, would you like to guess what year it happened? Yeah, that would be 29 AD. The month was November. The day was the 24th. The time was 11.05 a.m., and it lasted precisely 1 minute and 49 seconds. It was 95% visible from Jerusalem and 100% visible at the Sea of Galilee. That's right, right over Capernaum. This is an astronomical fact that doesn't rely on stories or words. It just is. And if you don't believe me, you can just go to the NASA website and look it up. Christmas is about brotherhood and celebrating Jesus' time with us, and there's nothing wrong with being with friends and family on December 25th. But never forget what happened on November 24th at 11.05 a.m. Now, the other questions we got this past week had to do with the lineage of the first Christians. These pre-Nicene Christians were first converted by the Apostle Paul, and most of them were Greek, not Jews. 
Learning about Greek culture, music, history, and language is a very good idea. In fact, the first Bible and Paul's epistles were all written in Greek, not Hebrew. In fact, in the 4th century, the Catholic Church obtained copies of Paul's original epistles from the Marcionite Church. The Pope at the time had commissioned St. Jerome to acquire copies and translate them all from the original Greek to Latin, what we know today as the Latin Vulgate Bible. Now, surprisingly, the Vatican Library still maintains the original documentation of the work done by St. Jerome, which specifically references and names Marcion of Sinope. And I'll have links in the show notes so you can look at that. It's pretty interesting. Now, the Bible written in Greek isn't the only place where language plays a role. The oldest inscription in the world bearing the name of Jesus was found by two French archaeologists in Syria in 1870. It was carved into the doorway of an ancient Marcionite church. And yes, it was written in Greek. And it dedicated the church with the words, To our Lord and Savior, Jesus the Good and it was inscribed with the year 318 A.D. Again, we'll have links in the show notes. Now, as we close out today's episode with some music that would have been heard by those pre-Nicene Christians around Greece and Italy, just some quick housekeeping notes and a reminder that you can get all of our past FBN episodes in video, podcast, or the Listen Live stream at firstbiblenetwork.com. It's also where you can leave a comment or question for the show in your own voice. Just click record and you're all set. Now, we also have extensive coverage of the COVID scam on the FBN news page. Be sure to bookmark that. In fact, one of the stories that FBN covered was a couple towns in the U.S. that have seceded. One is in California, and they took the step after seeing no other way to escape the Bolshevik tyranny of the COVID cult and needle-plunging nut jobs running the state. Now, we hope to see more of these secessions, and it serves as a reminder to remove your children from the public schools, get out of the big cities, and reconnect with other unvaxxed, pure-blood Christians and create a free, parallel society. And finally, way under the Christmas tree, we see a gift with your name on the tag. Now, you may have noticed the fancy flip book I was using at the beginning of the episode to look at that opening sentence of the Gospel of the Lord. It's pretty nice, that flip book. It's the complete pre-Nicene Bible, has a clickable table of contents, um, built-in links and videos, the latest edition of the Study and Reference Guide by Chancellor Mitchell in the back, it's the whole enchilada. It's now what we use here at FBN during research and production. It's our go-to Bible. And even better, it's a standalone Windows version, so you don't have to be online to use the flipbook. And it just came out. It's free for anyone who bought a paperback or hardcover version of the very first Bible. And I was able to talk them into adding our FBN viewers and listeners to that list to get it free. I'll have a link in the show notes where you can go and get your own copy, or you can just go to firstbiblenetwork.com and click on the link. I'm Darren Kalam, and we'll see you next time on First News on the First Bible Network.